Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim Singleton, your host. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays featuring African-Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our community. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight the Hulu series, Wu-Tang, an American Saga. Joining me today to discuss this series are my two favorite dudes, Amir Allen and Jamar Gillespie. Welcome guys. Good evening. Thanks for having us, Kim. Thanks for having us. Hi, so they've been on my show before. They talked about another movie called Monster. But uh, if you didn't tune into that, I want them to tell the audience a little bit about themselves. So we'll start with Amir. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Amir Allen. I am a native of North New Jersey. Um, I work in, I work in uh, HR at a large tech firm, uh, but I am a huge movie buff and history buff. And so uh, thanks for having me, Kim. Really excited to talk about this show today. Awesome. Awesome. Jamar? Yes. How you doing, everybody? I'm Jamar Gillespie. Uh, currently a city employee, municipality employee, but um, heavy movie buff, just like my brother Mir, uh, history buff as well. Uh, I write on occasion just because, just to get the emotions out. So anything to do with the art, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you guys here with me again. So let's just jump into it. Tell me, what was your knowledge of Wu-Tang, um, the Wu-Tang Clan, before you saw the Hulu series? Amir, start with you. You're smiling. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm smiling, actually, because so I think it's a little after our time, but like not not too far. Right. So um, my knowledge of Wu-Tang in the beginning comes from like my older cousins who are like, you know, who are of that era. Right. Um, and of the era of what they would call like true hip hop. And so originally, you know, I, I think at my era, we know like Method Man and Red Man, but like uh, after talking to like some older cousins and this is like really early on. So probably like 10, 11, um, you start to have the really deep Wu-Tang conversations. Um, and then, you know, there are those guys now who are still, you know, I guess I would call them old heads, but uh, older older folks who are, um, who, you know, I kind of look to uh, and they still are big Wu-Tang fans. So I've always kind of known a Wu-Tang, um, known of the music, but not necessarily the story behind it, right? Like in my mind, they're, just a group of dudes from New York, but um, the series gave me a lot more insight than I had originally. What about you, Jamar? Yeah, it's the same same sort of feel. Um, my older brother was super duper Wu-Tang fan. So I had I had to listen to 36 Chambers, told me everything he knew. He had the Source magazine when they was on the cover. He had the little mixtape from uh, Bob Vito and Scratch Radio. Like, so... For me, it was just like at a very young age, I was in the hip hop because I had the siblings in the house that was like, hey, this is what we listen to. And Wu-Tang was definitely in rotation. I love this series because it has so many layers and storylines. Share with us what was one or several of your favorite storylines in the series. So start with Jamar. Uh, I have two, really, because um, I feel as though like Asan Unique, which is uh, known as Old Dirty Bastard, I feel like they really didn't delve into his story yet, his background, but he's one of the people that I always wanted to get to know because later on in his life, if you watch the documentaries about them and they did on Showtime and things of that nature, different networks, 
it's like um he was very musical he was always into music and his family was into music just like the rizza who was his cousin and rizza rizza's story was something i wanted to know too because everybody always calls him the genius and it was like you know what was what made him so connected on that level where he could call him a genius so those two storylines were really more important to me at first mm-hmm. what about you amir yeah. Yeah, so um, I think thinking about the story, it was it was a couple things. So I think the first one for me is uh, Rizzo's, Rizzo's like family kind of home dynamic uh, and, and like looking at his older brother and his sister who kind of seemed to be the glue of that whole situation um, and then his little brother, right? And so I thought the Rizzo's like home situation was probably the most interesting um, just because in the beginning, you can see he's like an, like an immature young man, right? He kind of knows what he wants to do. He likes music, but he's not, uh, you know, it's not like his, it's not his sole focus. Uh, you know, he kind of like, it's like a coming of age story, at least it feels like to me. And then you see, um, you know, his brother kind of get get into trouble and go away. And so he has to kind of step up and be um, the leader of the family in that sense. And so um, the coming of age kind of story of RZA is really interesting to me. Um, and then of course, Raekwon's story, which I thought was like fascinating. Um, kind of, you know, just, just looking at it, right? Like this is, same, same deal, not necessarily coming of age, because you can see he's got um, a lot more going on at, at home and in his life, right? He's taking care of two um, disabled little brothers. He's got a mom who's got who's dealing with alcoholism. Um, and then he's trying to like put food on the table and, and grow up and be a young man and do all these things, right? Like things that we just don't, um, things that we, or I'll say me, um, you know, things that we, I take for granted, right? The ability like not to have to worry about, you know, a younger sibling, uh, when I was growing up, or not to have to think about, you know, how am I going to take care of my mom, or how am I going to find her, right, like all these crazy things, so um, I think the the kind of struggle that the two of them go through, and kind of how they're there to help each other get through it is really interesting, um, and so those are my two, those are the two things, at least in the first part of the series, that I, that really drew me in. One of my favorite storylines was when they really delved into Riza's creative process. I loved how they visualized that, um, they show what really went on inside his mind in terms of how he would lay down some music, take away a track, put a track back. And they were actually able to visualize it by having the musicians there. And then the musicians would disappear if that particular track wasn't used. I just thought that was brilliant how they did it. Let's take a look at a clip of RZA talking about that process. We wanted to tell the story of the creative process, unlike any that's been captured before. And we said the best way to do it, right, was to try to go into the mind of our character and me, right, go into the mind of the RZA. And when you look at hip hop, hip hop is grabbing music from everywhere, whether it's a Miles Davis horn, a James Brown vocal sample, uh, a, a Rolling Stone snare drum, you know what I mean? A Billy Squire kick, you know? A Ann Peebles voice sample sped up. The main ingredients. We, we pull from all these things and we make a collage of sounds that ends up becoming four bars, but it could have came from over 10, 12 different inspirations. And so in a way, it's just like, uh, we wanted to tell that story. So when people get a chance to see this episode, you'll see that, we have the drummer from the Honey Drippers. We place the drummers from the main ingredients. And, and we wanted to say, well, how would that feel in real life if I'm the drummer of the main ingredients and I got Cuba Gooding Sr. singing right here and I got the guitar player and then the Honey Drippers from Queens come in and 
take some of these players and mix them all together. How would that feel? And uh, we had a great writer on the episode, Lakshmi. And I just felt like it was a, a way that, that we never seen anybody going to the creative mindset. What interesting thing did you learn about Wu-Tang or one of the members that you didn't know before seeing it? Why don't you start, Amir? Um, what, I, what I didn't realize um, so quickly was that um, the RZA and ODB, um, and I, it's escaping me now, I think it was, uh, crud, I can't think of the name now, but the that GZA. they were related, that they were actually, the Jizza, exactly. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that they were actually cousins. Um, and, and that like they were family members. And so that was interesting. And then I think the other thing that was, that I thought was like interesting, but also that I probably would have never thought about once again, just, you know, trying to get in that Wu-Tang experience secondhand was that they would have beef. Um, like, like I just would have never thought there's like real beef, like real beef, right? Like not like, yo, I don't like you. And I put it on Twitter, like, like street beef, right? Um, like I so will I shoot you was, when I see you yeah, beef. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's different. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jamar? What did you find interesting that you didn't know before? One of the more interesting things I think out of everything was the family dynamics that they all came from. Like, uh, they don't really, like I said, they don't really show ODB's family because whatever the, however they probably didn't get clearance to talk about his mom and stuff, but they seem to all come from uh, besides Ghostface, uh, everybody else seen it came from like a home, and um, you know we don't really know nothing know that much about Power, uh, but he's a CEO slash executive, so it's not really gonna be too much focus on him as far as family life. But it seems like everybody came from a home, and except for one or two, and but everybody still treat each other with respect and like family until the beef happens, and then it becomes like you know we got to choose up sides because now it's like hey, you know, this is my neighborhood, this is your neighborhood, which I also didn't really know that they came from two different projects. I thought they was from like the same projects, just maybe one corner off, you know? Yeah, and it was interesting to to find out that they really had real beefs. I agree with Amir. That was, I was like, I didn't really know that because it seemed like they yeah. were such a, a yeah. unit, right? Yeah. You know? Definitely. So that that's yeah. why it's such an amazing story to me. Um, I like the storyline also about RZA when he was Rakim and he did that first record and he was listening to the record company and he put out, oh, I love you, Rakim. And I actually like that song, but, go. you know, it didn't do well. It wasn't true to his 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 uh, style of music and they eventually dumped him. And I felt like that showed how record companies exploited young black artists just to do something pop or crossover, so to speak, to gain money. And then once they were done with them, they would throw them to the side. Why don't you tell us what you thought about that whole storyline? Let's start with Jamar. So the funny thing about the RZA, the Prince Rakim song is the original version actually was fired and like in the streets, everybody liked it. But the second version that they put out, because they said they they the record company said it was a clearance issue, that was the one that kind of got them played. Like, oh, like yo, you corny, bro. Like you from from Staple, but well, you from uh, Park Hill. We don't do that corny 
stuff that you're doing. But when they heard the first version, everybody was rocking with the first version because it sounded more hip hop than pop. I didn't believe that Clarence story because I'm like, you're a big record company. Exactly. And Clarence is some basic thing. I think it was just a manipulation attempt to exactly. get him to do yep. the second. That's just my opinion. <laughs> it probably is. It probably is true. <laughs> what about you, Amir? So I, what I thought was, so kind of to your point, Jamar, I think the, the one thing that, I, that, that stuck out to me um, was that like, he was what, what he was willing to do to make himself successful, right? And so, um, you know, from an artist perspective and not, not necessarily being an artist myself, uh, but I think like, you know, sometimes we're willing to, we want to be successful or we want to be accepted or like there's this, this drive for what is considered success um, and sometimes the art suffers. And so like in, in yeah. Riz's case, I feel like definitely the art suffered, um, but, but also what we saw was that like, and the end and not being true to himself, it, it also ultimately just ended up a failure, right? And so, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing I took from that and, and probably it was a, probably a crucible moment for him in real life um, mm. is that like, it, if you don't commit to you or stand on your principles or stand on something, you know, it, it'll always crumble. And the, and the way I looked at it too, is that, you know, we don't have that many resources. And I think he saw this as a way to get through the door that maybe that's mm -hmm. why he was more willing to compromise on what he, the kind of music he really wanted to do. Um, just thinking about where he grew up and what he had access to, um, he may have felt like his hands were tied and just thinking, if I could get through this door, make this a success, then I could change the yeah. game. So this series showed how Rizzo was uh, able to create this musical enterprise, be successful when he had little resources you know he comes from a community that doesn't have resources which is seems to be the story of many of our young men um tell tell us what you thought about that particular journey his drive to go from you know dealing drugs having guns shooting people to basically this huge entertainment success amir why don't we start with you yeah um so his like I, like I was saying in the, in the beginning, I think his journey, his, 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 you can see they really actually do a great job of developing that character. Uh, and so his, his journey from, from the start of the series um, all the way up through present uh, is very interesting. And it's interesting for a couple of, for a couple of reasons. Um, I think what I see is that someone who's, who's very driven, who's clearly talented from inception, um, but who doesn't necessarily have a vision. Uh, and as they kind of develop the character, you can see he stays really close to his music. He's got a, um, the, the way in which he, he brings together his beats is, is super dynamic. Um, and, and you can see that later in the series where people are, are impressed by his musical selection um, and what he uses to actually pull some of these beats in his music together. Um, but I, I think he's, you can see that there's, there's this kind of, there's something always churning or clicking in the back of his mind throughout the story, but he gets distracted, right? So in his journey, you can see he, he kind of goes off path when his brother gets sent away. And so he's focused on doing what it takes to feed the family and to get his brother home. Um, and then, you know, he, he kind of comes back to music. Um, we can see how he's always got, like I said, he's always, he's always thinking. And so there's a point in the, in the, first, in the first season where uh, they do a rap battle. And there's like this rap battle after, after Jason, Jason who gets killed um after after their friend gets killed and and there's a there's a rap battle that's put on uh by the person who did it and and it's a way to bring the community together um and kind of they'll call it healing but it was it, you know it was, we know what it was 
Um, and so he gets on stage and he's like awful, right? Like he's absolutely terrible. Um, but what he gets from that moment is like, he sees all the rest of his friends get on stage and he's like, you know, we didn't do well because we went out there as individuals. And I think from, from that point on, you can see while he, while he still gets distracted a little, right? If you're into season two, you can see he still kind of gets sidetracked, but, but he's like, I know that we're better together than we are apart. So, you know, project beef aside and, you know, what we need to do to survive aside, I know that together this unit is significantly better than any individual um, is. And I think for, for me, from a journey perspective, I think once he sees that, the vision is very clear, um, even though he gets sidetracked from time to time. Good point. What about you, Jamar? Yeah, um, to piggyback off of um, what Amir is saying, I also believe that he manifested it in a way. Like, you know, they say speak things that you truly want in your life out into the universe and to whatever God you pray to. And I think that's what he was doing because like Amir said, during that rap battle scene, once he seen how everybody came up on stage, he's like, yo, like we all got it, but it's something missing. And, and he kept on, just kept reversing that in his mind and kept saying like, you know, like he kept seeing a vision of more than what was at the moment. Like he knew and he felt the energy was always gonna be, we have to be a team and that coincides with also his drive. I think his drive only works when it's about the team. When it was for him, he never really wanted to do it. When he was doing all the tours and stuff, he was just trying to figure out a way to understand the game, learn the game, let me get out the game and come back with my boys. And I also like how he understood the fact that, you know, he couldn't just bring himself up, but he had to elevate those with him in order to truly be a success. I, I, you know, I love mm -hmm. that. It was really a message of unity and that comes on very strong in the series. Um, one thing about the series, I think it spotlights um, how when you live in a certain environment, you're kind of forced to behave in that way. And I wanted to talk about this because a lot of times we hear about a lot of guns and shooting on the news, and it's easy for people who don't live there to sit back and pass judgment and say, why are they shooting each other? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? When I was watching the series, I was like, if I was living like this, I would be carrying a gun too, okay? <laughs> you roll up on me, you know, it, it may be on and popping. So just talk a little bit about that culture that we see, especially with all the gun violence that's in the community and on the news right now. Jamar, why don't you start? Well, I can be honest, uh, wholehearted 100%. The stuff that they seen, I mean, we lived through the same thing in the era that we were in. You know, we were in that mid 2000s era where it's kind of like, you know, down south music was taking over, but it still was like a grimy gritty thing. Like you could, you could avoid it but you really couldn't at the same time. Like if you wanted to go out and have, you know, go to the park, play ball after the park or after the gym, you might get into something. It's, it's not guaranteed, but it's a high percentage that you might, you know, you want to go to the movies, that's cool. But the movies is at the mall. There's a lot of people at the mall that don't got money and they want to do other things that you might have to get involved with. It's not optional. It's like you either do it or you do it. Like it's forceful or you join in gradually, you keep, doing it to survive you're doing it to survive but in the back of your mind because you're so young you're thinking like this can't be my everyday life because I know better I've seen better if you've ever been out of your neighborhood or even if you just had a good day in the neighborhood you know every day is not going to be all oh, gunfight fight 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 gunfight gunfight fight 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 but 
those little instances where it do happen, they 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 seem larger and more frequent because that's all everybody's going to talk about for the next week and a half until the next situation happens. Mm -hmm. So environment does kind of close you in and say, you know, how often do I have to dodge a bullet? How often do I have to dodge a punch? But also you're looking around and you're saying, it's not every day. It's really not every day, but you know, from the outside looking in, people are always going to think it's an everyday thing. But I, my mentality, and, a, and a, I was lucky to be blessed with friends like Amir and others that, you know, we always just kept a shield around each other. Like, yo, we're not always going to be here. And even if we are around here, you know, we're going to not participate in those things that will attack that kind of negative energy. Amir, you want to add to that? Yeah, um, a couple points. So I just, uh, I won't, uh, I agree with wholeheartedly with Jamar, with what Jamar was saying. Uh, a couple points I have, though, um, I think as we think about these things, right, survival at, at, to a degree, right, especially in this story, you can see that environment uh, is not the norm, right? And so in that environment, survival and respect almost go hand in hand. And so you can see to a degree that like, while, you know, that I, I'm sure in any, in any instance, they don't necessarily want to be in that situation, but they also need to survive. And, and you can see their situations, it's not like there's a ton of options. Um, so I think that that's one thing. Survival is, is, you know, we are, we are at, at our core, we're primitive beings and, and survival is, is literally what we're, we're here to do, right? Um, you, you can't get to thrive until you survive. And then I think the, the other thing that I had is that, you know, your friends are a powerful influence. And I think in this case, they, the only thing they could see was what was right in front of them, which was the option to sell drugs. Or, or hustle, right, or, or be out there, because that's, that's how they were going to get it. Um, but then the last thing I have, which is, like, while all those things are correct, and I think in a lot of cases, we're 100% influenced by those around us in the environment, there are people and characters like Method Man, who, like, at the start of this series, this dude had a regular job. Um, he was, was cool with everyone, right? Not that he didn't have his own trouble and all those things, but like you saw, he got respect from everyone. Um, he was like, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm basically, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm from here, but like, you know, I get respect everywhere. And, and I love that energy. And so I think there are always people like that who, um, who elevate above all things. Like even throughout the story, you can see like, he's absolutely in the same projects as them. He experiences the same loss uh, when, when they're, when their friend gets choked out by the cop on, on the basketball court. Um, but he just chose not to, he chose not to be uh, or not to let that be his reality. So um, while all those things absolutely influence you, there's always another route. And I think he's a great example of like, yeah, you see him get pulled in a little bit to like, you know, hustling, but he's, he's absolutely not that guy walking around toting a gun, right? Like he's, he's always been just as focused on the music as you see uh, the RZA is. Well, I absolutely love this series. It had so many storylines, so many layers, so many themes, so many messages. What do you think the main thing young people could take away from this after seeing the series? Jamar, why don't you start? The journey, just respecting the journey, respecting that, like you said, you're not always gonna hit on the jackpot when you toss, when you toss that toss, you know what I mean? When you roll those dice, you're not gonna hit, you're not gonna hit, you know, when you throw the rod in, looking for a fish, you might not catch nothing today, but understand that over time, learn lessons from each one of those situations you know but always take note of what you're doing when you're in these situations don't just let it happen 
and act like, oh, you know, it's whatever. Nah, let me take notes. Why didn't this work? Why, what can I do to be better? What can I do that next time I'm in a situation like this, we can prosper? And also just, you know, understand that sometimes you are the glue to the group that you belong to. You know what I mean? Even if you're not the leader, you're still the glue. It could be that situation for you. You might be the level-headed person to stop everybody from doing something that could be catastrophic to everybody's bottom line or just the individual life in general. Yeah, that's a good message. Appreciate the journey. Mm-hmm. What about you, Amir? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my my kind of like what I take from this story directly from from a line uh and cream, right? Casuals everything around me, right? Like you you can see immediately like he got with the sick tight click and they and they just went all out right like once they finally came together and were like this is what we're doing the the results were insane right you're still talking about one of the most popular and prolific hip hop groups music groups not even hip hop right like music yeah. groups of all time uh these these guys are literally like savants um of of their day um they say you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together uh, and and this is literally the um, this is that this is that come to life right like this this is a group of people who alone probably would have been in the same circumstance maybe not right but would have probably been in the same circumstance that they started in uh, but but together have been able to do fantastic amazing things um, and so the biggest thing I take from this is that you know the, what we what we can do. Um, together is, is always going to be much better than what I would do alone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's our time for today. I would like to thank Jamar and Amir for joining me again today to discuss Wu-Tang and American Saga. Make sure you check it out on Hulu. And until next week, consider yourself Blacklit. Thank you.